We have scandals to talk about now because you and I appeared on uh, CNBC's Squawk Alley together and we created a webcam gate. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Truly, truly the outrage, the outrage that um, I would dare to say that the webcam is not good. The outrage, which you have said, and you know what, we should begin here. We should start with it. I want to apologize to you. I've felt very badly about a couple of things. The first thing is I said I looked better on air than you, which <laughs> is true, but I'm sorry I said it. <laughs> it should go unsaid. It shouldn't have been said out loud. So I'm sorry for that. Second of all, I stole your word, and I honestly, in my head, I had re- I wanted to say, can I say craptastic on air? And then they answer me, say, well, okay, anyway, that's John's word. He used it in his review, but he's right. <laughs> But I got derailed, and I and I didn't give you credit. So your word is craptastic. Well, it's fantastic. Your word is fantastic, but the word craptastic is a word you used to describe the webcams in your review, and I said it on live national TV, and I passed it off as my own, and that was wrong. All right. So I'm I'm very sorry. I've I've done I've spent the last forty eight hours on a deep dive on this very issue. The webcam quality aside, all I've done is look into this language. It turns out you didn't quite steal my word. You did say craptastic. You did try to steal my word. But my word from my review was craptacular. Oh. (laughs) I would like to take back the last five (laughs) minutes of this recording. This is how deep down the rabbit hole we are. (laughs) I am so sorry. I'm sorry to all the listeners. I was wrong. I did not mean to apologize actually for anything. Uh, anyway, it's craptacular, craptastic, however you want to talk about it. This was, and so I'm, I'm enjoying, you do TV more than me and you do video weekly with, with the Wall Street Journal. I've started doing these CNBC hits and I enjoy it, even though it stresses me to no end, but uh, I basically have agreed to start doing it. And they've been very politely asking me for years, um, because a I'm home and the timing works out like when I'm a lot of times over the years they've asked me like oh there's a big Apple event and it's in California can you do a hit on CNBC and then it's like it would require you to be somewhere in downtown San Francisco at five thirty in the morning Pacific time and it's like no <laughs> sorry yep not gonna. I know the ask very well right. I know the ask very well <laughs> not going to happen I'm it's, it's like I'm going to be inside the event at that moment right. covering it how how will I be on your television show too. Right, uh, it, it, and I, or I'm not going to get up, you know, at four in the morning and and go do it. It's it, it not worth it. But when I can do it from home and I don't have to go anywhere, it's good. And the the CNBC hosts are very knowledgeable for people who are talking about all sorts of business, anything that pops up all during the day. That the hosts on Squawk Alley, like John Ford, all the questions are great. John Ford pulled oh, out the a, best. He pulled out an, uh, is this the biggest, uh, thing for the Mac since the next acquisition? Uh, I mean, that, and I, I, I don't think that's an exaggeration. I think that's actually a good analogy, but how many people on TV business news could pull that out? Um, oh, they're, they're the best. I mean, that show in particular, but I'm on a lot of CNBC shows yeah. and it's, um, always, you know, one thing I've done a lot of TV in my time and it's, they always want to get you to say something, yeah. right? Like, so you could say it and it'd be some controversial thing. And, you know, they, that, that that's a good soundbite. 
I never feel that way with with all the CNBC shows that yeah. I'm on. Um, and yeah, especially Squawk Alley with Carl, John, and um, depends on who else the other anchor is. I was stepping in, but this week it was Julia. Yeah, and uh, they're all wonderful, and they they really know they know their stuff. Yeah, and they're, they're, I can tell, and exactly that. Like, and I, you're see, you think faster than I do. You're meant for video. I think slow, and I get caught up, and I'm like, oh, I've been trapped, and I can't figure my way out of the trap. And next thing I know, the hit's over, and my time is gone. I don't want to get trapped into that, like, hey, we're trying to get you to say something, a, a news bite. I always get the sense with them that they really just want to get to the the kernel of truth. What's the deal with these MacBooks? You know, what's the deal with mm-hmm. the new iPhone? Uh, and I really appreciate that, so I keep doing it. Um, but the other thing is, it, it does go fast, right? It's so like, fast. You're on. They do a great job of getting you ready to go, but and and. It is so much more convenient doing this remotely, but it's also sort of like doing it blind, right? <laughs> like you're just there yeah. and there's, there's a little voice from a control room person who's very professional and very nice and they seem very keenly aware of how in the dark you are. But it's like, you know, they cut to a commercial. They're like, okay, you're on after the commercial. But then you see nothing. It's like you don't get to right. watch the commercials or anything and you're just like, uh, okay. And then yeah. I've gotten pretty used to it. I've been, um, I was doing these pretty frequently actually before COVID. And then after COVID, I've definitely, I mean, there was a bunch of time where they were definitely not interested in tech news, understandably. So I wasn't called a lot, but over the last couple of months doing a lot of these and actually I'm a contributor. So, um, I probably should watch what I say about CNBC, though I, I, everything I say here is yeah. like, I'm being completely honest. Um, but one thing, I, 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 I look like such an idiot. I'm just sitting in front of my computer smiling for like usually three minutes before these things start, which I think is just like hilarious. Just like I mean, nobody else is around, but I don't know when it's like going to really start. So I right. just sit here like smiling like a true asshole, just right. like, oh, you're going to talk to me yet? Are, are they on me? Uh I mean, like my dog is probably like, what the fuck is she doing? Right. Um, you you sit there in your office chair where you usually have no self awareness at all, and I'm I'm just slumped with the worst possible posture. Meanwhile, I'm sitting there like I'm uh, I'm on stage, ready to get called up to get like an award or something. You know, ramrod straight back, right. square shoulders, looking straight ahead, and it's like, um, and then this time I got panic too, and it's like usually, um. I can, I'll, I'll feel free to like uh, dick around on my phone, right? I don't want to mess with my computer, but I'll sit there and like, well, I've got a couple minutes here. And then all of a sudden I remembered um, that with all the latest software updates, there's the magic switching of AirPods Pro, which I was using for my mm-hmm. audio and my input. And I was like, wait, I don't want to mess this up with my phone and have the AirPods switch over to the phone and then they're not on the Mac. And it's like, I don't think that would work. I think it's supposed to be smart, but it's like, you don't want to mess with it when you're supposed to go on TV. So I was like, and I'm like, oh, I should have had like a magazine here. <laughs> I'm, I'm nothing. No, you're like basically in a green, a virtual green room, except right. like the camera's pointing at you always. But yeah, the the flying blind thing is is tough because when you're used to be on set with an anchor and some other guests, what I always really liked is they would book me with another guest. So we would kind of maybe even, you know, tussle a little. They even said in our thing, like, I've never seen two guests agree so much. I know. You know they like what, they definitely like to have some, you know, difference of opinion. Um, and some, in, in fact, there's like one great one where I just told the guys flat out wrong. And I was like, I bet him. I was like, you're totally wrong. Apple is not going to announce that. Um, and, but here I can't see you. I can't right. see them. And I even felt like, 
oh, I would, you know, mention John, but I don't, is John on camera with me right now? We right. had two, you know, are we a split screen? Are we, am I, is it just me? Is it just him? So that is, and you can't see the anchors. I haven't actually seen the anchors face to face since like, I don't know, February. Yeah, I, I did. I saw John when we were, I don't know how it worked. I don't know what they were, but like the, like two weeks ago when I was talking about the phones, I didn't see anybody. And this time I did see John, but I didn't see you. Uh, it was all crazy. I yeah, I think you it. get the feed sometimes of like whatever's in the studio. Yeah. Yeah, yeah sometimes I see Carl, I guess. Um, and when I do the morning show, I've seen um, Mike, I believe. Yeah, anyway. Well, anyway, the thing that we had hard time, we just didn't have enough time to get out is that we're not it made it seem as though you and I were arguing over the camera where you said the camera is craptastic trying to steal my word but coming up with your own <laughs> made up <laughs> crapular word uh and then I interjected with well I'm using it right now and I was uh and I had no idea if it looked good or not <laughs> I wasn't trying to like refute you but I it, I realized in hindsight, it came across as me saying, well, I'm using it and it looks great. I didn't know what it looked like. You know, I, I tested it side by side. I knew it looked better than the old ones. Um, but I, it, it made it seem like we disagree. Like you say these cameras stink and I'm saying I love them. I think it's so great. I used it to go on TV. Whereas I think the truth is we actually even further, here's the one point where it seemed like maybe we had like a little point of, hey, this is fun, you know on TV, but we actually, I think completely agree, which is that the camera still stinks overall, but it is way better than the MacBook cameras before. Yes, we definitely agree on all of that. I wouldn't say way, way better. better. Maybe we, we can, we can mildly hash out how much better, <laughs> way better. Right. Is, right. Cause in my video, not the CNBC video, but the Wall Street Journal review video that I did, I did have a short place where I, I actually talk, used the webcam quite a bit. Um, and I had a short place where I showed both side by side. I think that you could really see in that frame. I mean, lighting was good. So it was a good place to see. Both looked fine. But the difference between the, I think I was, yes, I was definitely using the 2020 Intel MacBook Air on one side and the 2020 M1 MacBook Air. And it's a little bit brighter. You definitely can see there's like less compression. And you can also see that there's just like um, better lighting or or more even lighting, which are all the things that Apple said was going to be improved here using machine learning and no actual upgrade to the hardware. But it's still just not as good as a dedicated webcam. Right. One you'd buy from Logitech, one you use on your iPhone, right. one that in, in the case of CNBC, what happened, I want to explain here. I decided a couple of weeks ago I needed to up up my CNBC game. I was using my iPhone using uh, Camo, this yeah. software. C-A-M-O. Which you, right. C-A-M-O. Um, I was using that on the Mac and on the iPhone, and it was working great. I liked it a lot, but it wasn't like looking as good, frankly, as Neelai Patel, who also is a CNBC contributor, and sometimes we're on together, and I'm like, I can't have Neelai look better than me. Like, that's not okay. And so I was using, I decided I'm going to do what he was doing, which is hooking up my Sony camera, my Sony RX100 to my computer. I got a HDMI connector. I did all the things. And so I was like really excited because this is my first time using that on air. And it's like night and day better than 
a webcam in the MacBook. So what I think happened, or I know what happened is, first of all, in Zoom, in the Zoom window where I connect with CNBC, I looked very good. Um, I was very crisp. You could see the full view of my my window um, or of my my background. And then CNBC crops into that pretty significantly. Then CNBC is running that through Zoom through their own software or some sort of, um, what's it called? Uh, forget the technical name that they use in TV, um, switcher or mm-hmm. something. And so that's further compressing it. Plus, I was dumb and I didn't get the Ethernet dongle. Actually, it wasn't dumb, honestly. The MacBook, the 13-inch MacBook Pro only has two USB ports, right. which is infuriating to me because I've been coming from the 16-inch where I had all the things hooked up and I decided not to use Ethernet. So I was on my not that great Wi-Fi and all of those things compounded to make my video not look great. Hmm. Interesting. Versus you who are just actually having a very simple webcam, uh, using the simple webcam, which... Looked fine, but like definitely did not look as good as the image that was really coming out of my system. Yeah. Uh, I feel like side by side, it's a very interesting example of proving that, that the M1 chip and using Apple Silicon and having this pipeline where the camera feeds directly into the M1 and it helps, it even helps with security, you know, where the, the M1 can electronically gate who, you know, whether software has access to the camera and make sure the green light goes on. Um, but it goes through the, it, it, I, I guess there is, I think they do say there's machine learning involved too, but I know there's an image signal processing chip that before the computer, the Mac, software ever even sees the image, the the image signaling processor chip already has cleaned up the image in a way that on the Intel MacBooks to date, that doesn't happen. And it's a great example of, okay, here's, here's this real crappy 720p camera. Here's what it looks like on Intel. And we're, you know, it's not like Apple was spent years purposefully making it look worse because Mm -hmm. they knew the M1 was coming. It's like, I'm sure they were trying but now with this image signaling processor, you get this better image. And it's definitely less noisy. It's same camera, but it's a lot less noisy. They're definitely, definitely white balance improvements. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you see that more at nighttime. Like, so one of the cheats I had for the CNBC thing is doing it at 11 a.m. Eastern time. I get really nice natural light in my office, and that helps a lot. When I was doing tests for my review, I shot a lot of it at night. You know, my office has fine office lighting, but it's, you know, incandescent Mm -hmm. office lighting. And it's just amazing how blue you look. And it it shouldn't be. It should be, if anything, it should be warm. It just totally throws it off. The noise is off the charts. But then there's, you know, you don't have to be like a super picky professional to start noticing, hey, they're cheating here. Like they're doing like the Barbara Walters filter where they're like looking for faces and then they just sort of electronically smear gauze all over it, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, so my face, your, your face on this camera doesn't look as noisy as it did on the old, on the Intel MacBooks, which is terrible. And the the color temperature is way better. But as soon as you look for that gauzy, well, they're just sort of blurring your face. And it's like, oh yeah, I see that. that that's a cheat. And it doesn't look good. It's not, I mean, it looks better than you know, before, but it's, you, you can start seeing how they're cheating. Yeah. And you also, I think they're using the same technique. One of the big things that I notice on my 
on the 16 inch MacBook Pro is the like reaction to light sources. Do you ever notice that it's just like completely blown out? Yeah, yeah, yes, totally. Yeah. And that is also much better here. So yeah. if I have like a big light behind me, uh, not like like a big window, but even just a like a, a, yeah. a lamp in back of me, that is less blown out. Yeah. No, it's that they made improvements. They certainly made improvements, but it's going to get better. Yeah. It can get so much better. And again, this is something I just keep thinking. They know it, they, they've put a 1080p camera on the iMac. They're also using there some software to improve that. That's where it's headed. That's what we should have on these these brand new systems. But I'm not going to complain too much about it because these brand new systems are truly amazing. <laughs> I I feel like what they've and I think it makes hindsight. I, in hindsight, it makes a lot of sense. But it's they honestly changed nothing that they didn't have to change. I mean, it is externally, and I had one side by side. There is no physical difference. I only had the MacBook Pro, by the way. You see, it sounds like from your review, you had the Air, like the nine ninety nine Air, right? I had the, um, it's 12, I forget the exact number, 12, 15, let me look it up. I had slightly better than the 999 because mm-hmm. it has the eight core CPU. Oh, the GPU, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, sorry, the eight core GPU, and yeah. but still had eight gigabytes of, of RAM. Right. So it's a little bit of an odd config, but it's like the second bump up on their right. site. Um, but it, like physically, compared side by side with the Intel versions that are the latest and greatest, you really have to turn them on to see that there's anything unless you happen to know the model number and the model number is literally printed in the smallest type on the bottom plate that you could possibly read. And you just have to know that like A2338 is, oh, that's an M1 MacBook. Otherwise, the the, the hardware is like the same. It's the same trackpad, the same keyboard, the same touch bar, the same buttons, the same screens, you know, where the Pro has this 500 nit Mac screen and the Air is 400 nit. Um, the same bezels that, you know, by today's laptop standards are maybe slightly dated. The same color options, the same webcam. It's all internal. And, and, and I know people are disappointed by that. Like, and, you know, and there's a part of me that was like, well, why couldn't we have everything? Why can't this just be the greatest day in MacBook history? And we get new form factors and new cameras and everything, you know, they're thinner and lighter and they look just plain look cooler. But it, it, now that it's out, it's like, oh, this seems pretty obvious. They had so much yeah. to change just by changing the architectures. Why take a chance changing anything else? And it's, uh, I, pun intended with this, it's an apples-to-apples comparison. And that's what made this review, I think, so spectacular, or the testing of this so spectacular. So sitting next to me, I've got a huge stack of MacBooks, right? I had the Intel version, pretty much the exact Intel version of both systems. I had the Intel version of the Air that was released back in March, and I had the Intel version of the 13-inch Pro that was released, I believe, back in April or May. And I tested side by side and I'd used those systems over the last number of months. And again, because you had the same hardware and basically, I mean, you know, I believe the same battery and the same sort of external other things that they didn't change, you could make this crazy comparison. You could run battery tests side by side and actually see eight hours difference. You could 
run side by side the same exact tests like I did with, with, you know, opening a hundred Chrome tabs or playing the same game. And I would actually just like shoot the, the thermometer gun at the, the M1 chip and see like it was <laughs> 10 to 15 degrees cooler than the Intel version. And so it was like a, it, it truly was like a reviewer's paradise right. in terms of like, testing these things, as I said, apples to apples. I really wish that I had thought of the thermometer trick. I still haven't even tried it because we bought, we, I don't have the gun, but we have like a little Nokia uh, thing that we bought mm-hmm. at the beginning of this coronavirus thing, which is amazing. It is just this amazing little thing. And it's the coolest thing I've seen from Nokia in like, I don't know. <laughs> Since it has like the little curved, yes. um, yeah. yeah, like a, almost looks like a suction cup, like a Nerf mm-hmm. dart top, and you just you know wave it over the forehead for a, a wave or two, and it looks like a thermometer from Star Trek, and it's like you know, and then it just gives you a number, and you know we've just been sitting here taking our temperatures a couple times a day every day since March. <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, it's fun. Right. Uh, but I really thought, oh, I should have tried that. I was so jealous when you tried that because all I did was like put my fingers on it. And I'm like, damn, well, this thing is not getting hotter. Why? What? Why? I thought that running this blank for 10 minutes right. should have made this get hotter. What is going on? Uh, I was very jealous yeah. of that. Yeah. I mean, I've, it's funny, like when the whole thermometer thing happened, I've had that one for a long time from my old laptop testing days. Oh, it's probably not that old, but I've, you know, upgraded it. But sometimes now, you know, there was that whole debate about what kind of thermometer should you really be using, like uh, surface thermometers. And mm. in a couple of photos, I mean, this, this, and this one I have is, is very much a equipment thermometer. It's meant for measuring surfaces of, of, of objects, not people, of not skin. But I've seen in some photos, like Getty images types of things, like people using these, like these types of thermometers to measure skin temperature. And that's just completely wrong. Like you don't get a very accurate reading. Um, So maybe I shouldn't have used my Nokia. uh, Yeah. I don't think that would be, I mean, you could try. I mean, look, what you really need is a baseline, right? Like I didn't even really report, I did report some of the numbers, but like what you really want to see is the Delta, right? Like the, the M1 is 70 degrees and the Intel is 90, right? You're like crazy 20 degree difference. Well, we, we we know where to pick this back up. I'm going to take a break here to thank our first sponsor before we keep going. Uh, We're going to um, pick up with talking about thermometers. Yeah. Man, do I love this company, Linode. Linode hosts everything at Daring Fireball. I love this company. Web hosting, just great prices, great service, great technology. Whether you're working on a personal project or managing enterprise infrastructure, you deserve simple, affordable, and accessible cloud computing solutions that allow you to take your project to the next level. Simplify your cloud infrastructure with Linode's Linux virtual machines, and you can deploy, develop, and scale your modern applications faster and easier. You can get started on Linode today with $100 in free credit for listeners at the talk show. You can find all the details about that. $100 just because you listen to the show at linode.com slash the talk show. They have 11 global data centers around the world. I mean, they're not kidding about global. I mean, like India and Europe and just everywhere. Um, They also have amazing technical support that is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year with no tiers or handoffs, regardless of your plan size. It's not like because you're on a cheap... uh, low-cost $5 a month plan, you get like the B team for support. You get the same support. It's fantastic. Um, you can use your $100 in credit on their new S3 compatible store object storage 
on managed Kubernetes, which I've been told I am pronouncing right, and more. So anyway, go to linode.com slash the talk show and click on create free account to get started. My thanks to Linode for sponsoring the show and for hosting Daring Fireball. So anyway, that is one of the little things. That's like one of those things that that using this and and all right, Apple makes their announcement and then we have some press briefings and then they ship it. it that's the weird part. Usually it's like you get in person, they give you these things you know, in hand and they're all, you know, you have to sign away an NDA and stuff. And now, you know, you can't do any of that. They have to ship them to you. Um, but we're talking about it before we get to like play. We like, we have no hands on time with these things. We're talking to them. And the one thing that I was told by like a couple people at Apple, was like, just these things run so cool. It is It is amazing. And it's like, okay, that sounds great. But you know, I'm sure they get hot eventually. I couldn't make the damn thing get hot. I tried so hard. I mean, that was the whole basis of my video, because when I started trying, I was like, you know what, I think I need to do document this in visual form, because I was trying so hard to get these things warm. I mean, it started with the air, because it's like, okay, it's fanless. It's got to get, it's got to hit some point where it gets really warm, and we should talk about that, but that doesn't really happen, because it just tamps down on the performance versus, like, get really warm. But still, it's amazing what you can do with that thing before it starts to just say, okay, I'm going to give up and I, I can't do what you're asking me to do. I, everything from gaming to running the 100 Chrome tabs to video calling. Um, and with the Pro, I was like, okay, well, what does it take to get the fan to go on? So I did, again, tons and tons of tests. And when I finally got it to go on, I like couldn't, I, and I was doing this, I mean, you, you watch the video, like yes. I was trying, I, I actually recorded the fan noises. Like I, <laughs> I, that wasn't fake. That wasn't like, we're going to just go find some fan noise on the internet, like sound effects. I recorded that. And when it finally went off, when, when the fan on the pro finally went off, I had to like scurry around to find my, my good mic, plug it in, start running like to record it. And I was like, oh, thank God I got it. Like, and it stayed for long enough, but actually the fan noise itself is quite quiet on the pro compared to the Intel systems. Um, bottom line is I tried really hard, John, it really, is really hard. so quiet compared to the Intel systems. And like, I even mentioned it in my review, like to set up my, uh, M one MacBook pro, I used migration assistant to move over a setup from that. I had on a 16 inch MacBook pro from just last year. It's, you know, it's still a review unit that I had here waiting for this to, to compare head to head before I send it back. And um, just running Migration Assistant on the 16-inch MacBook Pro, which I think mm-hmm. is is like a three thousand six hundred dollar configuration, maybe closer to four thousand. I mean, it's you know, it's got uh, gobs of RAM and a huge SSD, uh, and it's the you know Intel with the most cores on a MacBook Pro. Just running Migration Assistant, the fans go on on the 16-inch MacBook Pro, and they're not on on the other thing, and they're so loud. And it's like you're so just, loud. And, and when you're running Migration Assistant, everything else quits. It, it, it's like you know, it's almost like putting the Mac. It actually is putting it into a special mode just for Migration Assistant. So it's not like oh well, Migration Assistant's running, but you've also got a bunch of Safari tabs or whatever. No, no, everything else quits, and it's just Migration Assistant from this machine to migration assistant on this machine. And the 16-inch MacBook Pro is like a hairdryer. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it, the other one is dead silent. And it's like, oh, this is going to be interesting. And you I said- know it so well. Like, I work on that system. I've honestly worked on that 
for a lot of quarantine for right. a lot of like, just because like the bigger screen and I can be on the couch and have a 16 inch screen and do work and come back to my desk and dock and have just so much screen. And I love that machine hardware wise, but the fan and the heat on that, that like, if I'm cold, I can physically warm my whole body with the top of that keyboard. Like you just rub your whole body on top of that keyboard and you can get, you can warm yourself. I don't know why they don't sell it as like an actual space heater. So the, uh, I think by the letter of the NDA, you're not supposed to talk, you know, you're allowed to talk to like your people you work with and the people in your family about the review unit before the embargo. But uh, you know, there's a a circle of us who know each other and we know, I I knew Matthew Panzerino was going to have some, I knew Jason Snell, I knew you would have some, um, you know, and so we we kibitz a little. I mean, and we're not. You know, it's all. It's not. Uh, it's not a cutthroat business reviewing these things. You know, we're not trying to undercut each other. You know, it's not like we're being mm-hmm. super. Speak secretive. for yourself, John. <laughs> yes, I know. I'm talking <laughs> to you. <laughs> I'm trying to be. Please, nice. <laughs> please. <laughs> but I really did. I got to the point where I was running out of time. I was, you know, and I was like. I was like, this is amazing, this MacBook Pro. It has a fan. Um, everybody is thinking, well, they made such a big deal that the Air has no fan, that it must mean that this one has a fan, and it's sort of like MacBook Pros that you know from the past in terms of coming on and making noise and you know getting hot. And, hey, if you want a machine to run silently, you should get the Air. And I'm like, this is amazing because you can get the, this MacBook Pro, and it'll you can trust it to run silently. Because I've, I've never heard this thing come on. I don't feel any air blowing. And then I was like, this would be a big angle of my review. And then all of a sudden, I this thought popped into my head. What if I got a lemon and the fan just doesn't work? I don't want to make a jerk of myself and <laughs> yeah. you know, write 2,000 words in this review about how the fan never comes on. And so I like started reaching out to people. And I'm like, hey, do you have the MacBook Pro? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, does the fan ever come on? And they're like, no. Or it's like almost never. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. thank God. I I will admit, um, I mean, maybe I shouldn't admit it here. People listen. People, eh, it's fine. I did the same with Neil I. Patel. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I can't get the fan to go off. Right. Like, it's what is going on. And like, at that point, I decided to do this whole video on it. And I was like, I can't. Not, I can't have this be like at the end of this video, I didn't get it to turn on, right? Um, he did tip me to one benchmark. But then finally, actually, when I, I decided, I was like, I'm going to try Premiere. Premiere, if you're doing a long enough export, mm-hmm. that will do it. The issue was when I was testing, I was just doing like, I was exporting three to four minute videos. And that wasn't long enough for the system to go like in overdrive or to be exporting for that long. So I finally got it through Premiere and running a bunch of Chrome tabs in the background. But like the Chrome test, when when I did that myself, I was like, Truly freaking out by myself here in my my like office. It's it's this is kind of the sad thing. I mean, I know you always sort of work alone, but like I just wanted somebody to like hug, you know? know, like. I, I was like, it's I. There's a hundred tabs open in Chrome. I can move around in each of them. I'm writing in Docs at normal speed. Everything is just working. Like right. 
is this a miracle of God? And like, and, no, I had no one to share it with. And no beach ball, right? Because that's the yeah. thing with the older systems is if you have a bunch of tabs, sure, you, you could switch between these, you know, one, two, and three, one, two, and three, and it all just works even though you have them all open. But then you go to like tab 47, which hasn't mm-hmm. been used in a while, and that's the one that's been swapped out to disk, and then they have to bring it back, the system has to bring it back, and you get the beach ball, or it just pauses and you're exactly. waiting, and you're like, or Wait. you're trying to scroll, and this and the this page won't scroll, right. um, and it, it just takes you out of your flow. You're out of your flow, and you're like, oh, and it, you know, especially for me with browser tabs, you never know. Is it like, wait, did, is the whole thing going to reload? Did something happen? Mm-hmm. And then it, it catches up. You're like, oh, there it is. But then, now your flow's broken. That never right. happened with the system. It's like, I, and I know, even though my test machine had 16 gigs of RAM, not eight. Um, I purpose. I was looking at it in Activity Monitor, and I was just yeah, opening, opening goofy stuff in the background. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'll just leave a big photograph open in Pixelmator Pro in the background, so that I know it's using you know a bunch of RAM, just mm-hmm. just so that it's being used, and I can get the system to use more than sixteen gigs of RAM, and then start switching tabs and see if I and it like I could never tell. I yeah, really I did. Could. I did the same thing. I did the same thing, and it's funny because this summer I did this piece on Chrome um, and Chrome versus Safari and Microsoft Edge. Honestly, it was was a big part of the piece, um, and this was all brought on because over you know quarantine, working on my systems more than I ever had before, the fan was going crazy. It was always going crazy, and that in a combination with Google Meet, which is another issue with RAM and um, especially working in other browsers other than Chrome, is just a disaster of eating cram, uh, cram, RAM. And uh, it's a new thing I made, cram. Um, but honestly, Chrome eats, it's, it's cram. It's Chrome, <laughs> you have Chrome to buy, You have to buy eating. cram for Chrome. Yeah, that would right. be good. They and should. I did this video in, during the summer of this Chrome. I animated this guy who was eating a Chrome guy. Or I didn't, but I hired an animator to do it. I was like, I want you to make Chrome eat all the parts of the food in the in the computer because that's what it does. And in this piece, like I basically was like, Chrome is unusable on Macs. We need to all stop using Chrome, um, and we should do that for privacy reasons too. I, I made that argument, but like it is just devouring the RAM. Not and and Safari, brand new Safari on. A Big Sur is amazing, and it works really well. And they've got the favicons. We could talk about that, Gruber. We can we can talk about how you won that fight. Uh, um, I, sh- I should just retire after that one. You really should have, yeah. Just like me with the keyboards. Yeah. It's like why do I why do I keep working? <laughs> honestly, um, but now it's a comp- it's a horse of a different color. Like, yeah. a, and they've released the you know Google's released an M1 a Intel yeah. uh, a, a non Intel uh, optimized version and. I kind of want to go back to Chrome, but I've made a big thing about how I wasn't. Um, I'm also obsessed with Edge um, for a different reason, but yeah, the Edge collections is 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 amazing feature for a browser. I was kind of glad that the Chrome update to run natively on the M1 didn't come out until yesterday, which was a couple of days after the reviews, so that while I was writing my review, I could open a bunch of stuff in Chrome and know that it was running through Rosetta. Because mm-hmm. I was like, well, this should be a good test. And I know that it's a good test that's applicable to lots of people because Chrome is a thing lots of people use. And I figured, you know, it, not that Chrome in particular would be a good long-term test. Because without even asking anybody or looking on the Chromium message boards, I was like, there's no way they're not going to have a native version out within weeks at the latest, you know. Um, but just, you know, as a test of Rosetta. And it was like, I can't even tell. I really can't. I was mm-hmm. like, 
that's the other, you know, the other like miracle in this to me is, and, and I'll admit, you know, before anybody digs it up, like when it was like the cusp of WWDC this year at my last minute predictions, it was like everybody kind of knew that they were going to announce this transition. Um, but nobody really knew what the details were going to be. And I made the prediction that maybe they wouldn't have any emulation for old Intel software because it would be so much easier for, you know, compared to a decade ago or two decades ago transitions, developers should be ready for this to just recompile. Um, not only was I wrong that they, I said, I don't think they're going to have emulation. They do. Um, it is amazing. It is just, it, it is the best. And I went through the transition in the 90s with the Mac going from the Motorola 68000 series to PowerPC, and I was here for the PowerPC to Intel. This is the uh, just absolutely flabbergasting how you just don't know. You really have you, you can just recommend these machines to normal people. And if they say, do I have to update all my software? And it's like, yeah, just do whatever you normally do, you know. You'll be fine. And that was my biggest like question mark, you know, whether it was this summer after WWC or even after the announcement a couple of weeks ago, I just, you know, was very careful with readers to say I would not pre-order just yet. Right. Let's see what happens with the software. I, I had giant concerns about it. Um, not only because of the Mac history, but you know, back then I was a Windows uh Windows fan and still still like Windows in many shapes and forms. Um but you know, having seen the Windows RT disaster, um, I was just like, there's, you know, this is not an easy thing to do. And it definitely ha- can have big consumer impact. And people who depend on certain apps, you know, my readers, they, they love Quicken. You know, mm. you got to, you want a Quicken fan, you you read the Wall Street Journal. And <laughs> um, like, you know, you're, you, I, I had no issues. I mean, there's nothing that doesn't work on here. Even with just to prep for this podcast, because I'm now using the pro and I had done a lot of testing on the air, I needed to download like five things really quickly. Um, you know, Skype, Audacity, all these things. And I was like, oh, just grab them all. And they all, it's just like, yeah, no problem. Yeah. It's really impressive technologically. And again, not getting into the details, just the fan doesn't come on. I was so relieved. Again, I, I cannot emphasize the moment of panic I had that maybe I got a bum machine. Uh, years ago, my, my first, the, the original Apple Watch, uh, the review unit I got, the Taptic engine broke. And it broke very quickly. I, I clearly had a lemon. It was like I tried it on, and immediately I was like, wow, these taps for the thing do not feel like they did months ago when I was at the event and we had, you remember the first Apple mm-hmm. watch came out, uh, uh, you know, a long time after the event, I was like, that's not how I remember at all. I can barely feel this. And then with like 10 minutes later, it, I didn't get any taps at all. And I'm like, shouldn't I be getting a tap for this? It's like, I'm not getting taps for alerts. I'm not getting, and I like contacted Apple and they're like, ah, oh, that sounds like a bad unit. Let us, let, let, let us replace it. And, they like sent somebody down from New York with a unit the same day, like hours later. And it was the exact, you know, looked like the exact same thing and it had none of the problems. So I was like, oh, and they were like, yeah, give us that one. We'll take a look. You know, it was uh, clearly a bad unit. 
Um, I love how you think that they sent that guy from New York. Like he's actually just been waiting outside your house. I know. <laughs> they said he was he's from New waiting York. Out. Yeah, he's still <laughs> waiting out there. Uh, you know, but it it happens, you know, and it, you know, in terms, you know, they really do send reviewers the actual unit, you know, if anybody, you know, to me it was like confirmation that they're not like special, like, hey, we're going to pre-test all these units before we give them to reviewers. You know, they're sealed up just like consumer units and they give them to you. And I just thought, oh my God, what if I got the M1 MacBook Pro with a broken fan? And it mostly works because clearly the air is supposed to work without a fan. So it works, but. Right. But you're not getting like the performance leap because it's just not getting there. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. I got to check with somebody. And everybody was like, no, it's, it's either a, a like me, they couldn't get it to come on or B like you, they could get it to come on, but like the most dire circumstances, you know, and premiere is a good test. I know Jason said, Jason Snell said that video export was, was one way he got it to come on and, and not to throw premiere under the bus, but premiere because it's cross platform isn't necessarily optimized like the way Final Cut Pro is specifically for Apple stuff and to channel stuff through the special chips. It's going through the CPU to export video, so it's going to heat it up. Um, you know, it, it's like a stress test of the CPU in a way that maybe Final Cut Pro isn't for the same export task. Yeah, I think at this point, it's it's got to be a mix of the GPU and CPU really being hammered for it to come on because gaming can do it too for longer periods of time um the cinebench test which also is yeah. uh, is a gpu test i think it's a combo of that because i did um video calling is another place where the you know the fans are always coming on on the, the intel systems yes, especially yeah. in which is Google horrible Me. right because horrible right. i mean that and that's what's so relatable about this right now right. like the timing could not be better for this machine um like you know in my video i had it taking off for outer space and <laughs> the intel the intel version because it is a constant joke in our company like People will be like, is it normal that, like, they'll text me, like, is the normal the fans? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's normal. Like, your computer's going to take off for outer space. It's fine. You know, it's always like a, like a little fun joke about it, but everyone knows it now because we're in Zoom or Google Meet all right. day. And with this, that, that was a huge turning point in my review. I've been working on a long video, a 30 minute, uh, short documentary. And we did a viewing of it last week in Google Meet because it was the best platform for uh, this external editor I have. And we watched this video for 30 minutes through Google Meet. It was a little bit choppy just because of bandwidth. The three of us all running their video, the computer was completely cool. And I had other things going in the on in the background. This was the air. Right. And... And then I also was like, okay, I actually want to switch to the pro. And we did it the next day again, just for like a mild test. We didn't do the full 30 minute run of the video. Still nothing. Like the 16 inch MacBook Pro, the Intel version would be sweltering if I did that. And and noisy, right? It's so noisy. Right? Yeah. It's an assault on two senses. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It really is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and it, it, it is true that. Timing wise, you know, with everybody professionally dependent on video conferencing, it, it really has elevated video conferencing to the level of, I mean, what were like the old standbys of, well, what are the things everybody does on a computer? Email, web, mm-hmm. uh, productivity apps, uh, chat. You always need a Microsoft Word test. You know, right. everyone's running, I mean, not anymore, but you know, what it used to be. It yeah, used to be or, for me when or, I was reviewing laptops. Right, open up a big Word document or open up mm-hmm. a big spreadsheet or something like that, and you know, resort the columns. And, 
Um, you know, and web browsing is clearly the one that that is the most, you know, everybody who doesn't use the web so you can run tests and stuff like that. But now video conferencing has to be part of that discussion of, well, this is just table stakes for what people do on their laptops. And, oh yeah, it doesn't really matter which platform you're using, if it's Zoom or Skype or Google Meet or whatever. Yeah, it's going to sound like a, a hairdryer going on and it's going to get real hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's just the way it is. And it's like, now it's like, no. And it's like, Part of and and what's cool about it is like okay so like Google Meet is clearly uh, it's not like they optimized it for the M1 right it's not uh, oh well mm-hmm. it's FaceTime you know and Apple got to optimize it and do whatever they could to take advantage of it it's just Google Meet doing whatever they were doing before but now it's running on this new system and it just doesn't get hot. Yeah, it was, I mean, that call last week, I was, I, I kept interrupting. I was like, I just have to say my computer's totally fine. It's amazing. And they were like, okay, we're in the middle of watching the cut. I'm like, okay, it's fine. But. And the other thing too, that's sort of self-referential about it is like, I, you know, I wrote a long review and it's, it's just so much more physically pleasant writing and you're in a long typing session and I'm in the flow. The words are coming out. It's like, don't interrupt me. You know, I'm here I go. And it's so nice when the palm rests are nice, cool aluminum as mm-hmm. opposed to, you know, making your palm sweat aluminum. And it's like, that is, it, it, it you can't measure. It doesn't show up in a geek bench benchmark, but it's so much nicer. This is the way it should be. And and add in the battery life, and it's just like yeah, right. And on I, all levels, and you said that on CNBC, I feel like, which was really um, just such a, a good point. I mean, just all around, the updates here are so significant, and just such a big leap from what we've seen in laptops in the ten years. I really think that that to me is the takeaway for the consumer audience mass market. Should you get this? And it's like if you were gonna get a thirteen inch laptop um and you you know yeah all right there are people who need four ports we can get into that in a bit but if you were just going to get like a roughly you know twelve hundred dollar ish 13 inch and you should get this one because it is the bat it, it it runs cool runs silent and the battery lasts noticeably longer like not like oh every year the iphone gets a little better and you know it goes from 10 hours of whatever they you know, audio playback to 11 hours. And it's like, oh, that's cool. That's 10% year over year. Like this is like twice as much or one and a half of maybe with the air or something like that. But it really is the difference between you if it's like, pl- plug it in overnight. And if your spot where you're working at home, probably right now, isn't near a power outlet, don't worry about it. Just sit there. You can work all day long. You don't have to turn the brightness down on your screen. You don't have to worry about quitting background apps or anything like that. Just use it, and it'll easily last all day long. Yeah, yesterday, actually, I went to the office um, to finish recording some stuff in our, our studio, and I left home and I was like, I'm not I'm not bringing the charger, even though like I knew I could find a charger at the office, but like I was like, I'm just, it. I can do it. I can make it the entire day. And I actually left at like 7 a.m. and didn't come home till 7 p.m. I probably still had 40% battery. And I was on the computer all day at the office. I thought that the, the one that really made, like, I had to double check. Like, I, I pinged him. I was like, let me make sure I'm reading this right. I was reading Panzerino's review. And he had the bright idea of 
downloading the WebKit open source project and compiling it from scratch. And it's a huge project, takes, you know, incredibly long amount of time, like over an hour. Um, and the M1 was like competing very admirably on time with like iMac Pro and the Mac Pro, you know, thousand dollar desktop workstations. It was beating the 16 inch MacBook Pro at compiling compile speeds, which is great if you're a developer and developers know that waiting for the compiler is just a huge, you know, huge waste of time and it takes you out of your flow. Um, but the biggest difference was uh, starting at 100%, the MacBook, the M1 MacBook Pro compiled the whole thing, and it, when it was done, it had 91% battery life left. When the Intel 13-inch MacBook Pro, not 16-inch, but 13-inch, but with you know head-to-head comparison, it only had 24% battery life left. It used 76% of the battery life to do what the M1 did in 9%. Like so, even if you if the times were the same, which they weren't, the M1 was faster. That's insane. Like twenty four percent battery life means uh, you've got to start looking for a charger right now. And ninety one percent is like, well, why even you know, you know, rounds up to a hundred. That's insane. It. I mean, and it all adds up. I mean, that right. system was probably super hot and like. I don't know, chugging along to do whatever it had to do. It used all of its energy to do that versus the M1 that just, it's like, okay, I'll just sit around and do it and I'll use half the energy and I won't, I'll just be cool. And that to me is just a huge reason to buy it. Even if you don't really understand and don't want to understand any technical aspect of what it means to go from Intel Silicon to Apple Silicon. Totally. Battery life lasts longer, runs cool, runs faster. There you go. And the compatibility, you don't have to worry about compatibility. There you go. The whole story's over. It's, you know. I know. But yeah, like we've spent how many minutes talking about it now and all, it's all I've thought about all week. But um, and I, th- and I think for me, like, um, there was, you know, I had, a, I, I really loved the Air, uh, maybe now it's like eight years ago. Um, it was like a thing, right? The 2011, I, I, yeah. The 2011, I think, was the one that everybody, it was like the high watermark. Yeah, and and I was working at The Verge then, and I even tweeted it today because Dieter Bone uh, (laughs) cited it in his newsletter. But I was a Windows laptop reviewer at the time. I mean, really, that was my was my job. And I well, I would say Windows, but I also had reviewed the Air of that year. And my long running thing was, but you know what? For two hundred dollars more than this Ultrabook from ASUS or from Dell or HP, like I reviewed them all, but everyone would basically say. In every review, I would basically say, you know, for $200 more, though, you can get this Air, this MacBook Air, which runs for, I think at the time, it was like 12 hours, which was like double the amount of time the Windows systems could and has better performance. And guess what? You can even run Windows on it. And this was like the long thing. I That year, I probably converted many people from Windows systems to the Air because the Air was just the best. And then, like, between that point and now, really, you know, Apple did a good job on the Air. It did the refresh three years ago with the horrible keyboard, which we don't have to get into right now. But it was fine, right? The battery was fine. The performance was fine. It definitely got hot. It got warm. But it was really no better than some of the Windows Ultrabooks. And honestly, Dell has been doing a great job on that Ultrabook, their XPS 13, for years you know, I always was able to get probably like two hours more battery life out of the Dell than I was under, out of a out of a Mac. And now it's just like night and day. It's like this is the best 
laptop ever. Like, I mean, I said that in my piece. I was like, this is, these laptops are the best ever. And they're, they're better than any Windows system you could buy. Yeah. And there's, there's an aspect to this where, and um, I'm sort of stealing from my friend Ben Thompson here, but there's, there's a way that the typical productivity has moved very largely to the, a lot of its stuff is just on the web and people are just doing their work in browser tabs, whatever browser they're using. But it's on the web, and therefore they can switch to you know from Windows to Mac or something like that. And a lot of their stuff just works, right? If you do your Gmail in gmail.com, you you go anywhere and get your email. Um, and in some ways, that works against Apple because, like, what's what's the point of getting a Mac if it's in a minority platform? And the advantage in the historically has always been, well, if you really embrace the Mac ecosystem of Mac software and doing things the Mac way, it's great. These are great apps and they work well together. And there's just, you know, there's, there's just great advantages to it, but you kind of have to buy into this. And some people don't want to do that. Some people don't want to break their habits. And then a lot of people can't because they're, they don't get to make those choices. They work at a place and their work says, well, we're going to use Google Docs and that's what we're using. And you're doing it in a, you know, you don't, you don't have a, a choice to use pages and numbers or something like that because it's in the Apple ecosystem. That's just the way it is. Um, these machines are great for people in that boat because the runs cool runs fast and battery life is way longer. Um, yeah. Sold. Right. That is absolutely great. Even if you're not really heavily or even at all into the Apple software ecosystem, which is a very unusual place for the Mac to be. And I think, I think that's right. I think, and when you look at what does, and I've been thinking about it this week, what does Adele, I said that like, as I said, like Adele, like the singer, what does Adele, the singer do? What is she going to do about these Macs? (laughs) Like, is she, is she just going to keep selling what she's been selling? Um, But really like what uh, I was just looking at the Dell XPS specs, same price as these uh, same price. You get more storage, um, but it's just a no brainer to me. Like, like, they're, the battery life is going to be longer. It's going to these systems run cooler. They're faster. Um, you buy the Dell if you need Windows, and of course that's the big question mark right now is how's Windows right. going to run on this? Um, it will, you know. Yeah, but I wonder. I, I wonder about that. But I, I, to your point, how important is it? I yeah, guess, is, I, is what you're saying. How important really is it? Point. Because if if you know the old argument was it well i'm not really into the mac or not my company is not in the mac ecosystem at all therefore we need to run windows whereas it not with any one particular moment in history but just general attrition over the last 10 years stuff that uh, of that general cross platform big company sort of stuff has just moved to the web and, you know, and even Microsoft is part of that. Like to, to Satya Nadella's credit, you know, they're no longer everything on windows all the time. You know, they've, they've got a great cloud infrastructure business that powers this stuff for other companies and they have all sorts of their own stuff that runs in browsers or, uh, you know, is a cross platform app like Skype and, and stuff like that. Um, so they're part of it too. It's not like they've been left behind, but I just don't feel like people need to run windows. And then even if they do, 
I mean, clearly gaming would be a reason, and it'd be interesting to see how that works. But Windows just isn't Windows on ARM just isn't a thing like the way that Apple made it possible where you don't even have to worry about it and everything just recompiles. Like it, 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 I, I, I just don't know that that matters. And will people, you know, if, if they announce it and like, ah, oh, finally I can install windows on this M one MacBook and you do it. I don't know that it's going to make you happy in the way that you think it was because you may not have, Oh, the games don't run it. The games I want to play don't run on arm anyway. Well, and I think you're bringing up the, the big part of this review, which wasn't so positive, and you know, it's it's maybe just for now, as as apps start to make their way more into the App Store, into the Mac App Store, iOS and iPad apps make their way into the App Store. Um, but those are just not great to use right now, and that might be again. Well, there's two points to that. One, I didn't really care that much. Like it was a place to ding Apple and say these apps don't resize here and you definitely want you want to have a touch screen. Oh, you're talking about um, the I, the iPhone apps running on the on the Mac. Right, right. Right. But I didn't it wasn't something to dwell on A because the system was so good and and made so many improvements in other places, but B you have the web, as you mentioned. Right. And actually, I reached out because I, I started doing a search. I, I just decided, okay, let me go through my my popular iPhone my iPhone apps and see if they're in the Mac App Store. And really, none of them were there. So I reached out to Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok and, and all of them just said, oh, well, we have, we have web apps, which, you know, feels like a little bit of a cop-out of an answer to me. But it was true. I, I could just use all those things on the web, which is the argument you're making, which is, well, maybe the operating system doesn't fully matter uh, so much. It's like the Chromebook argument. Um, But also then when I look at the apps that I really use on my Mac, they're all things I do use on my iPhone, which are the Apple native apps. So iMessage, which works so much better in Big Sur, Um, Notes, Apple Music. I'm looking down across my toolbar right now. Those are my main ones. FaceTime. And All those work. You don't use mail. You use like Gmail or something like that. I use Gmail. Yeah. yeah. Let me take another break and we'll come back. Cause I feel like this is a new topic. The iOS app thing. Cause I want to rant. <laughs> <laughs> Here, let me tell you about, uh, do you have anxiety? Does, does thinking about iOS apps, just thinking about a, a laptop running hot and loud stress you out? Well, we all have stress these days. Let me tell you about feels F E A L S. If you have anxiety, chronic pains, trouble sleeping, even just once a week, you're not alone. Many people do. Feels is premium CBD delivered directly to your doorstep. It naturally helps reduce stress, anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. And it's easy to take. You just take a few drops under your tongue and you feel the difference within minutes. Are you new to CBD? A lot of people are. It's a new thing. Feels offers a free CBD hotline and text messaging support to help guide your personal experience. You can just start chatting with them on text messaging and they'll tell you, make suggestions on what to order, how to get started. Uh, there's no high, no hangover, no no addiction. It's not that type of thing. Um, membership. You can join the Fields community and you get Fields delivered to your door every month. You don't have to reorder it. It just shows up once a month. You save money when you become a member on every order and you can pause or cancel at any time. So here's what to do. Go to feels.com, F-E-A-L-S. That's, you know, like their unique spelling of the word. Feels.com slash talk show. 
and you get 50% off your first order if you become a member. And you get free shipping too. So go to feels.com, F-E-A-L-S.com slash talk show, 50% off with free shipping. My thanks to Feels. I th- I think this iPhone app thing is I, I, maybe it'll become something eventually. Maybe it's maybe it needed to ship in a weird, rough early state just to get developers on board. But I I don't know. It just it feels very unApple like to me to ship something that is so pointless. Uh, well, that's sort of I guess what I was trying to make the point of. It's just like, does it matter? Does it even matter that some of these apps are there? What is the killer iPhone app that you want on your Mac? Right. And some people, and I've, you know, I mentioned this to people at Apple, and like, well, my bank has an app and it's better than their website. And it's like, oh, all right, maybe. I don't know. But my bank has a website. And if I'm on my computer, I'd rather just do it on the website. Uh, Like, right. It just doesn't, it, it, it doesn't, I see it. It doesn't occur to me on my Mac to open, you know, my bank names app. I would just go to the web and uh, I, I I see it for some like utilities, right? Like I kept thinking like I would I wouldn't mind having the Nest app because I'm constantly trying to adjust the thermometer in right. the basement. Right. Um I also want to say that if you do hear a fan noise in this episode, <laughs> I am running my space heater underneath my desk right now. <laughs> my feet are very cold and I am constantly adjusting my thermometer upstairs or sorry, it's not thermometer. It's my, uh, what is the thing called? The thermostat. Thermostat. That's the, that's the third word, the thermostat. Um, so if you do hear it, it is not the computer. It is the actual space heater under the desk. The weather here in the Northeast has been crazy this week, too. Right now, my watch says it's 63 degrees outside, which is nice. But like two days ago, it was uh, like 29 degrees here in Philadelphia. It was freezing, literally freezing. Uh, I, I know, and that's why I turned the heat off this morning. Yeah. I was like, why are we running the heat? It's 60 degrees out, but now I'm freezing in the basement. Uh, we've been we've been manning the thermostat like that nonstop because it's like all of a sudden we're all freezing, and we look, and we're like, oh, the house is actually is freezing. We're not nuts. Uh, but anyway. Anyway. Um, good weather break. Good weather yeah, break. Yeah, I could see that. The, you know, we have a Nest, too, and the Nest app is kind of nice, you know, on the phone. It really is, like, when you're sitting on the couch and it's like, you know, it, it does feel like when I was a kid, like, I, I grew up in the era when the TVs still didn't have remote controls and it was, like, the greatest thing ever. We could switch the channel without getting up and now it's like, we can make the house warmer without getting up. This is amazing. Um well, I did just launch what I think is the most impressive iPhone app that you can get on the Mac, the Dunkin' Donuts app. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I had a line in my review, but it's true because I started just doing a search of like, what apps can you get? I don't know what I typed in to the Mac App Store, but it turns out every fast food app you can get on the Mac <laughs> like every single one of them is there. Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, Dunkin' Donuts, Burger King, um, uh, Panda Express. Um, <laughs> what can you do? Just play, pre, pre-place your order and then go I pick it up? I guess so. Because right, I've used <laughs> the Starbucks app for that. You know, oh, I think Starbucks is there. Yeah. Oh, oh no, I think Starbucks isn't there. Oh. They, yeah, so the, the gist of how it works is – if you if you're the developer of an iOS app that doesn't have a Mac app, just iPhone, maybe iPad, 
you know, nowadays, hopefully most of those apps, you know, support both because they're the same app and they just scale to the screen. If you didn't do anything, then your Mac, your app would be available in the Mac app store for apps for Macs running on the M1. And then you can search on the app store and for a name. And by default, it still only shows real Mac apps, but then you can switch a little tab to say show iOS and iPad apps. And then they'll show up there too, and you can download them. But if you don't want your app to appear like that, you can opt out of it. And that's what, you know, like you said, like Instagram mm-hmm. opted out and TikTok and others. Um, there apparently is a trick though, where if you just download the, the app, I, I'm not even, I should know how to do this, but I've forgotten how without iTunes. But remember, you used to be able to back up your apps to iTunes and, mm-hmm. and you'd have a copy of the IPA files on your Mac. If you just double click those or something on your oh, you can run M1, them? you can run them even if they're not authorized to run. It's, I don't know if it's, this is like a, where loop. do you get that from? I don't know. I'd, I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes on how to do it, but you can, there's a trick you can get to get like Instagram to run hmm. on your M1 MacBook, but it's not meant for it, right? It doesn't, you know, there's things that are missing. It doesn't, doesn't right. work right. Um, I don't know why, why. My favorite you? thing is, is that like all these fast food apps have verified. Like, just like search, search fast food. Everyone who listens, when, if you have an M1 Mac, just search fast food and you will just see a, a, this is, this is why they wanted to run iPhone apps on Mac, I think. I was, so we could get our fast food apps. Shake Shack. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, I don't want to start an East Coast, West Coast argument with Shake Shack versus, uh, what's that? No, not Five Guys. That's East Coast too. In and Out? In and Out is the one. Let's see. I bet it. I have it. Yeah, I don't know. Mm, they don't. But In and Out's weird. You know, they they sort of celebrate. Oh, they have In and Out Locator. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny because uh, Dunkin' Donuts is all over the place. You know, I mean, not even talking about the Boston area where they're literally. You, I think it's like state law in Massachusetts where every five hundred feet there has to be a Dunkin' Donuts. Um, <laughs> but yeah. you know, New York, Philadelphia, they're all over the place here. Um, but I was talking to a friend who, who's been in California for years, and he's never had Dunkin' Donuts coffee. And I'm like, I'm not a huge Dunkin' Donuts fan, but I, I like their coffee. But the miracle of Dunkin' Donuts coffee is 24 hours a day, seven days a week, if they're open. Any Dunkin' Donuts, anywhere you go, the coffee is exactly the same. It is always 5,000 degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> They they heat their speaking of <laughs> needing a fan, their coffee is always it hotter than you can possibly believe a coffee get. Like how is it not boiling? It should you, you know it, what they should make? They should make an Intel they should make an Intel version of a Dunkin' Donuts coffee. It's a new brand. Like a like oh, would you like your Intel Intel hot? Yeah. <laughs> but it always tastes the same and it always tastes pretty good. And it also doesn't taste quite like anybody else's coffee. It's very clearly, I could Pepsi challenge it any day of the week and it's always good. It's always Dunkin'. It's not the greatest, but it's just plain. And you don't have to, when you order it, you don't have to order the light roast or the dark roast or that roast. You just get coffee and it's great. Anyway. I get the iced coffee there, so I don't know they really have that much great about the iced hot. coffee. They have great iced coffee. And again, I like the Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee. Always tastes exactly the same. I'm really happy it could be on the show to get you a Dunkin' Donuts sponsorship after this. I know. They should. It's you know my, <laughs> I'm my really strong. I'm really happy to have been here for this <laughs> it is, to help you get to them. It's like the McDonald's French fries of uh 
of coffee, except sometimes you'll get like, you'll get cold McDonald's French fries, right? Like they didn't, they, yeah. they should have thrown them out and replaced them, but it's like Dunkin' Donuts. You're never going to get a cold coffee. Uh, That's true. Whenever I'm on like a road trip or whenever we drive upstate, I always am like, we'll just go to the Dunkin' Donuts on the road because I know yeah. it will be reliable and good. Yeah. It's always good. And, and they have very sturdy cups, you know, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it's, all, it's all good. Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. Very good. They should expand to the West coast, move some of those yeah. Massachusetts ones up there. Are we uh, done with the sponsor break or are we oh, yeah. back to the show? Yeah, Dunkin' oh, really? didn't sponsor. This is all free. I just <laughs> no, give away I <laughs> give away good words to Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> uh, I don't get it. I don't get the thing. So, but I do that where I wanted to I knew I wanted to do the break and talk about this because I, I feel like we're we would be people the next uh controversy would be if we did not have an argument about touchscreens. Oh yeah, we need to have and that. And it's related to the iPhone app thing, right? Because this is the people who want to see touchscreens on Apple MacBooks also are saying, well, wait, if you're going to re- let these phone apps run and the phone apps assume you have a touchscreen, why wouldn't the Mac, why shouldn't the Mac also have a touchscreen? Right. And I don't want to bring up Dunkin' Donuts again, but I'm going to because I'm looking at this app on my screen right now and it's, it sucks to navigate this with the mouse. And I just want to like click on this thing right here that says locate my closest Dunkin' Donuts. And that would be a lot easier than clicking around to it. It, uh, my example, and I didn't choose this, you know, to be a, a jerk and try to find a bad app. It's like Apple themselves have shown the HBO, um, I've already blanked on HBO Max. Max God, yeah. why don't they just call it HBO? God almighty. It's the dumbest, it, it the dumbest thing yeah. in the world. Right after Rudy Giuliani's shoe polish hair dye. <laughs> like, why would you put that on your head before? <laughs> was that confirmed to be that? I don't know. Somebody, I nobody knows. a lot of, yeah. Somebody said it was mascara. That mascara is a trick. If you're an older gentleman and you've got graying sideburns and uh, you, you can touch them up before a TV hit with it's, mascara. But It's funny. I saw it running. I, I was in the city yesterday and um, I was in an elevator and I saw it and I was like, oh, it must be like a crack in the screen. Right? <laughs> That's what it looked like. like. I, I didn't realize. And I just like, you know, it was like a quick fleeting elevator ride and you see it and I'm like, huh, like uh, maybe the screen is cracked. It looks like something is dripping down his face, but it must be right. like a screen a television crack. And then- like I just saw it on on Twitter last night, and I was like, "Oh my god, it wasn't a screen crack. It's like actually something streaming down his face." Uh, <laughs> it's one of the great mysteries of the world. Um, all right, now I've got this HBO Max. So I go on with HBO Max. I download it. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing differently, but I've got it. I'm I'm literally using it as I speak to you right now, and it's on the on the iPad. And when I scroll a list on the iPad by touching the screen and flicking, it scrolls like the way you would think an iPad app would scroll. You know, it has momentum and you can zip, you know, if it's a long list, you can flick your finger and it goes real fast. When I ran the HBO Max app on my Mac, and again, the mystery of the world is why in the world they didn't just call this new service HBO, which is a well-known brand, but whatever. It's HBO Max and it's got a bunch of bunch of crap to the max yeah and it's got a bunch of crap that's not hbo thrown in the scrolling is horrible it it feels it it actually and it's you know you know exactly what i'm talking about it feels like going back to like your laptop reviews from 10 years ago where you would be like well this you know is a good pc laptop Mm -hmm. for x y and z but the trackpad is horrible it doesn't scroll you know yep 
That's 100%. What, that's what the HBO Max app running on the M1 MacBook was like. And and uh, for me, I have HBO Max, but we get it through our we have we still have cable TV and we pay for HBO and if you pay for HBO then you get a free account on HBO Max. But you have to sign in through your cable provider. Well, guess who my cable provider is? Xfinity. Guess where mm-hmm. Xfinity is on a list of cable providers in North America? And they have all of them. <laughs> There's a lot of cable providers in North America. Mine is at the bottom of the list. And I'm just sitting there with two fingers on the trackpad, scrolling and scrolling. Mm-hmm. And it's like moving two, two names at a time. And I was like, oh, my God. And I was like, well, wait, maybe I can type, you know, X. Because, you know, like in a real Mac app, you can jump oh, to the yeah, X. that's true. And uh, of course not, because no. it's an iPhone Did you hear app. the little bloop? Yeah, you just hear it. Yeah, you just or maybe I, I love don't, the new little bloops in Big Sur. Oh, I, I love have the to sounds. say, yeah, the sounds right? are great. Yeah, they're it's really like great. you hear like a bloop and you're like, that's an error, but I feel really like thank you for making that error sound so nice to me. Yeah, like I'm, I'm pissed. Like I'm pissed that that thing won't do what I asked, but it. Thank you for making it sound so gentle and nice. Yeah, it's very nice. I, I'll sit there and hit the delete key when you can't delete yeah. anything just to bloop bloop. Uh, so I'm just, it, it just made, and it just made me so angry. And because, and the, the icing on the cake, of course, is that Xfinity is owned by Comcast and it's just, they rebranded their cable services Xfinity because they saw, thought it sounded cool. And maybe the name Comcast started having negative connotations in people's heads. But if they had still been named Comcast, I would have gotten to it so much sooner. <laughs> And I'm like, well, wait, this is insane. Like, why would their scrolling be so bad? And then I looked on the iPhone and, and they, you know, when you're using actual touch on the actual iPhone, the scrolling is very fast. And when you're mm-hmm. somehow, whatever they're, whatever's going on with the interaction where the trackpad gestures are faking touch, it, mm-hmm. it, it works terribly in HBO Max. But that's not universal across all apps. Like, so I use Marco Armand's, uh, Overcast podcast player and his app, you know, Overcast is written like with standard UI kit controls and scrolling a list of podcasts in Overcast on the Mac works exactly as you'd think. You know, it it feels like you're scrolling in a Mac app and it has momentum. And when you flick your fingers fast, it goes fast. Like something about the HBO Max app is doing something custom that works for real touch on a real iOS device and does not work here. But Apple's the one telling me that HBO Max is a good example of an app to try. The window isn't resizable and it's like a little yeah. it's like a little postcard size window. And are the windows resizable on any of these? I haven't found one to be resizable. Over, overcast is if you try it. It is. Yeah, even if you don't use Overcast normally, you just download you can download it for yeah. free and try it. Um yeah, and I something. Marco, I guess that's some tweaks that they that yeah that Marco, Marco and his team made. Yeah, like, yeah, because like all of the ones I've been using are mostly iPad yeah. apps, and those are not resizable. No. Um, I, and I went to go play like Subway Surfers, um, yeah. and it's so on. And they're I guess written their apps. So it's like vertical on iPad hmm. orientation because it can, it actually intersects with the with the toolbar at the bottom of the dock. <laughs> and you can't resize, so you have to shrink your dock to play because it's covered up, right? <laughs> it's, it's it's a very good experience, it, I have to say. It it all works, and you understand. You know, this is the way. There's been technology companies that have well, if it works 
ship it has been a mindset ever since technology has been a thing. But it's certainly not, it's the opposite of the Apple way. Apple's way has always been, well, we'll do a lot less, but what we do is going to work really nice. And we'd rather not do a thing at all than do it in a half-assed way. And these apps are just half-assed. And, mm-hmm. and the ones so, you really want, like Netflix, not there. Not there. Right. TikTok, not there. I mean, this is so this is why I ask, why not just put a touch screen on? And I guess your argument's gonna be that that's not an Apple thing to do. But let me just say I've spent quite a bit of time on the on a Pixel book, and I would say I use the touchscreen on that 10% of the time. But when I do use it, it's like I reach up, I scroll, I tap, and this is with Android apps on there. I'm out. I'm back to the touchpad. I'm back to the keyboard to do what I need to do. I think that's the model that should be on the Mac. And I just ask, why not? Why don't they just do that? It would solve a lot of the problems we're talking about right now. So it... it it, my argument, I think I speak to why they haven't. Well, number one, maybe they will, right? And and I, I definitely am not betting that they never will. I mean, I guess we I want would. to get in on our bet. We have a bet, me, Dieter, and Neilai. Mm, I probably should get in on it. I don't know how to. How do we make a four way bet though? Uh, we haven't really figured out the rules. We just uh, all said when we think it's coming and then how much money. We- I would still wager against them doing it, but I would not wager. I, and I like to bet lots of money, but I would not bet a lot of money on it. I would bet a little bit of money that they are never going to ship touchscreen Max. Um, or, you know, by some definition of never, that's like, let's say five years. Because um, who knows? Five five years from now, who knows what the heck is going on? Um I think mm. they won't. I think that it, I get it. I get that if you just want to scroll, like you have a big old browser window and you just want to touch the screen and flick it and scroll up, that if you could just reach out and touch your screen the way you touch the iPad, it should just work and people want to do it. Um, my argument against it is, and and if that's all Apple did, if they said, don't change anything else, we're just going to make the screen respond to touch, then that would, to me, would be the, okay, I can live with that way of Apple adding touch to Mac OS. I wouldn't use it personally very often. I When I have my iPad in the Magic Keyboard, I, I, it's not like I'm purposefully not touching the screen. I just don't find myself doing it. I just use the trackpad. Um, See, and I, I, think you're, I think Big Sur, I mean, I said this in my review, it's just like, it is asking for a touch screen. Like these widgets and these swipeable notifications are just screaming out, please swipe me away. And I find that on the touchpad, it's quite annoying to be swiping away these notifications all the time. So now, the, I'm not saying I always want to be reaching up to swipe away those notifications. I'm just saying touch for swiping away notifications or touch for tapping on some of these bigger interface that they've built in, the sort of the control panel thing, the... I love this little thing now they have. The control can center control. or, or can, yeah, notification yeah. center. I don't even know what they call it in the Mac. The thing that you it's get the, when you cl- click the, the time in the upper right corner. Well, that, but now you have this little like control center thing, which has like oh, this right, do right, not right. disturb and keyboard yeah. brightness, yeah, that's which I center. love. Right. Um, like those are slider. That, like, that wants me to swipe. That wants my finger to be used, put my finger on it right now. I'm doing it. I'm touching the screen and pull it down the screen brightness. I mean, that looks like it was designed for my finger. 
Uh, but most of the, but the, some of the new stuff does, but I think it's just, it's just an aesthetic look to make it look like it. Now the, some, and some of the stuff is cross platform, like the, the widgets, um, that you get, you know, like you can say, Oh, give me a calendar widget over there in the, the notification center thing, um, are written cross platform with the new thing Apple has called Swift UI and the same Swift UI that makes a widget that you can put on your desktop on your phone is the same code you use to make one that runs on the Mac. And therefore, yeah, it does look like they're laid out to be friendly for touch. But most of the Mac interface isn't, right? And I and and so many people seem to think all of Big Sur was redesigned and respaced for touch, but it wasn't. Like the menu bar is still tiny. The distance between regular menus, like when you go down, you know, like the file menu and it's file edit view, you know, whatever, those those items are all like half the height that they would be for touch to be touch friendly. Like when you look at something yeah, that's that, true. I'm looking at all that right now. You're right. It's yeah. You know, I wouldn't want to touch any of that. It uh, the red, yellow, green buttons that close. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I always forget what yellow, yellow minimize. Uh, it's like nobody uses yellow. People close, people zoom. <laughs> Poor old yellow in the middle. I, I, I mean, I just I always use a keyboard shortcut for right. that, so I but never use it. They're not spaced for that. There's and down. there's all sorts of apps with toolbars that are, you know, pro apps that and the argument is so what? Okay, just leave all the spacing the same and people with touchscreen Macs will learn, well, don't do that. Don't try to touch the yellow button in between red and green because it's so small. Just use the trackpad for that. But then you can use touch when you do want to reach a thing that is a big fat target, like, oh, there's a big notification that just came in the upper right corner. I just want to flick Mm -hmm. it away. I get it. And if they did it that way, that, like I said, that would be my I could live with it way. But that's not really the Apple way. Like the Apple way is if they're going to support touch, they're going to make it a touch friendly interface. And if they're going to make it a touch friendly interface, then everything has to be bigger and spread apart like the iPad. And that to me would take away from the information density of the Mac. Uh, I don't think that, you know, so that's a very valid argument. And that's, and that's the argument that I, I really do hear and I think is very, is very realistic that they wouldn't do it. Um, but on the other hand, it but is, on the other hand, on the other hand, it is, and you know, it's a marketing point. You know, uh, the makers of other laptops definitely make ads that say, you know, our laptops have touchscreens, theirs don't, and we know who they're talking about when they say they. Mm-hmm. People do reach up. I know. You know, and and so I'm not. I am against it, but I'm not like this. Isn't a zealotry thing for me. And as long as they don't ask developers to rejigger everything to make it touch friendly which to me would really take away truly take away mm-hmm. from the mac fine you know if you want to just say we have a touch screen and it's good for scrolling and for flicking notifications and you really shouldn't use it for other stuff okay and i guess and you know maybe the pencil is sort of like that on ipad already and cuz it's not you know the ipad is definitely touch first and mm-hmm. the pencil does lots of things but it's not a stylus-driven interface. And if you, I right. remember when the, when the pencil first came out and you couldn't even click buttons with it, it was mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. it was that, really just meant for writing or for for uh, drawing work and, right. and artwork. Right. So, like, if you had like a oh a, a notification came up and with an OK and a cancel button, and you right. had the pencil in your hand and you tapped on OK, nothing happened. Right. You needed to 
use your finger. Right. And it wasn't a bug. That was how it was designed. And it's because Apple is thinking what I'm describing, where if it's going to be a touch mm-hmm. interface, it should be touch. And if we were going to make a pencil stylus driven interface, everything would be stylus first across the board. And eventually, I think they kind of realized, well, this is kind of annoying when you have the pencil in your hand and you just want to tap the button. So that would be the way that if they add touch to the Mac, I I hope that it would go where it's like, sure, the pencil still, even today, pencil still doesn't do everything. It's right. definitely not a pencil first interface on the iPad. But now it's like, okay, we'll give in. We'll let you tap buttons and stuff like that with the pencil. Yeah, I guess I see it as like, I mean, the Magic Keyboard has come so far uh, for the iPad and really does serve, it's it's better than just an accessory at this point, right? You can really do, use that as like a primary mode of input. And I think that that's not what it would be here. It would be a secondary mode of input that you would sometimes use and have at your disposal for these interactions, but I, I really do hear that that's a tough marketing point to make. And also, if Apple's going to do it, it's got to say it's doing it for a reason because that's what they do. And there's got to be a something behind it that makes it magical or special. Yeah. So we'll I don't see. know. I, I, I would say I think that if these apps were better, I would be more inclined to say they really need to do it. Um, so maybe it's also a wait and see thing. Let's see how the iPhone and iPad apps make their way. And if they do make their way and if they're better, um, but yeah, I'm with you. I'd like the, that sort of HBO max situation or the resizing of these games. Or, um, I also tried, uh, among us, which is you know, great to have on here. If you, on, on the Mac, if you love playing that game, but it's not ideal for playing. Yeah. Um, does it? Does that have a resizable window? My son plays that game. If anybody you know who's like me and is out of touch with the state of the art of gaming, Among Us is this really cool collaborative game. Do you want to describe it? Because you've played it. I, I I've watched my son play it. I was like, oh my god, I would be so into that if I were your age. I'm t- hold on. I just turned it on, and all I hear is blasting music. How do I turn the volume down on it? I don't know. No, you can't resize it. Yeah. Um, I just opened it to make sure. But at least that one fits within like the screen window, so you're not like having to resize other windows to to play it. <laughs> um, I don't know how the best way to describe it. It's basically like a murder mystery game, yeah. it's right? Like you, and you play with you try- know, get a group of friends, or maybe you play with strangers. But then one of you is randomly assigned to be the killer, but nobody else, nobody knows who the killer is. You just know if it's you or not, and then you have to you run around this game and try to figure out who the killer is, right? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. And I actually only played it for the first time on here. And then um, me and my wife, I was like, we were just trying to test. I was trying to show her I was testing all these apps and then she became really into it. And so now she's playing on her iPhone all day long. Yeah. So My son plays with his friends and it's like, it's one of those games where it's like, this actually sounds healthy. This sounds like healthy gameplay. Like... (laughs) Some of the well, stuff, like when he's shooting people, it's like, ah, maybe we should, maybe he's 17, but it's, or he's almost 17, but it's like, maybe wow. we should, yeah, can you believe that? Jeez. Wow. You met him when he was like four, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Every time we podcast him, you always like tell me, and I'm like, how did he just get five years older? I know. He's it's 16 going on 17, and it's like, but when he's playing Among Us, it just sounds, and, and it really warms my heart because it's like, oh my God, to be 16 and not be able to see your friends, and it's like, oh, they're all just having fun. 
and everybody can play whether they have PCs or Macs or people are some of his friends are playing on phones and it's uh and, but they're just but they do they FaceTime like when they're playing yeah, or they like or phone something. call yeah I don't know what I I I forget discourse yeah because I think that's what's nice about it. yeah discourse so like it's like it's it's social in the sense that like yeah. there isn't a social layer built into the game you kind of have to go through a different route and right. then communicate and um yeah I I did it play with some random people which was funny but. Yeah, but it's really a great game. But yeah, and so yeah, now you can play it on the Mac if you have a Mac, and it's great. And it's you know, it's I. But a lot of the stuff touch is not a magic. If if they had, if they just secretly said, you know what? Guess what? Surprise! These M1 MacBooks do have touch screens. We were just waiting for Big Sur eleven point two, and now it's we've enabled it, and there you know, it's on. Um, it wouldn't magically make these iOS apps running on Big Sur better. It, it might make some things better. I'm guessing the H, my HBO scrolling thing would mm-hmm. would work. Um, but a lot my of my Dunkin' it would, Donuts app would be better. <laughs> but a lot of and a lot of the iPhone games in particular are specifically. It's not just that they're designed for touch; they're designed to be a little thing in your hand. You know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I don't know. I, I, and iPad. I mean, most of the the most of the things that I see that actually are successfully ported over are not iPhone apps; they're iPad apps. Yeah. And that's likely because those developers already had done made some tweaks for keyboard and mouse, um, and this was just the easiest way. And if you've got an iPad app, well, yeah, you've got a bigger screen here anyway, so why not use the iPad app? Yeah. And Facebook has their iPad app, up, uh, iPad app in the store, and it's actually pretty good. Um, I've been using that. And, you know, besides from the little frustration that it keeps telling me to open iOS, the Messenger app, which doesn't exist, um, <laughs> it's pretty good. You know, it's a nice what way. What happens when you click it? What does it, does it like? It keeps telling me, install. And then I go to hit install, and then it tells me that's not available for your Mac operating system. <laughs> it's a nice, it's just a loop. It goes around and around. every, yeah. And I can't get it to go away. It's maddening to have the, like, two little dots that say I have two messages in there. Yeah. All right, let me take a break here and thank our third and final sponsor of the show, our good friends at Squarespace. Oh, man, if you need a website, you can start at Squarespace. And you just, next thing you know, you've already got a website. That's how easy it is. You can just start, go there, get a free trial, start clicking, pick a template, start dragging stuff around to rearrange it the way you want. And next thing you know, you've got a website and it works. It's amazing. You do it all right in the website. You need no technical expertise whatsoever. If you don't know the difference between HTML and CSS, you're fine. And if you do, you can get in there and figure, you know, tweak the code to your heart's content. They have excellent technical support. They have excellent prices. Um, And again, they soup to nuts, including registering a domain name to get your website started and Stuff on the back end just for you as the person who owns the website, like great analytics so you can see how many people are coming to your site, where they're coming from. But, uh, most analytics software is like a nightmare. It looks like going into an airplane cockpit trying to figure out what the hell is going on. Squarespace's analytics is like one of the best analytics panels I've ever seen where it's like looking at a nice, simple Honda where it's just like, how fast am I going? That's all you need to know. How much gas is left? There you go. That's what their analytics are like. The information you need to know presented in a very nice way. Where do you go to find out more? Go to squarespace.com slash talk show. Now, you can just go there. You get a free trial, 30 days. You don't need to pay anything up front. Just remember that, though, when you do go to pay, 
remember to go to squarespace.com slash talk show to take the site you've been using for 29 and a half days before you pay. Go there and you will save 10% off your purchase, including prepaying for a whole year. You can get 10% off an entire year just by going to squarespace.com slash talk show and remembering that code talk show when you pay. Uh, what else do we want to talk about? I know that it's, it's weird. I'm doing Apple's news. This, this whole eight weeks has been insane for Apple. And it, I, you know, not because and me. It, <laughs> and, and you, I'm sure. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm, I'm just glad. I mean, I mean, if they had sent me both a MacBook Air and, I mean, Jason, they sent Jason Snell all three. They sent him an, and, and again, this is sort of like to, to open the curtain a little. It's like they just send you stuff. They don't really ask. <laughs> You know, it wasn't like, "Hey, which one do you want, John?" They just—they were like, "We'll send hardware tomorrow." You know, here, sign this NDA, and I signed the NDA, and then the next day, ding dong, here's FedEx, and I had a MacBook mm-hmm. Pro. They sent Jason Snell all three. <laughs> I'm like, I—I I wouldn't have even opened the other two. I—I I just don't have time. You know, right? Um, I have to say, I was very happy to have both, um, mostly because I—I think it was important for me to like yeah. tell uh, consumers, "Here's the difference: the two hundred dollar." Price difference. Here's what. Here's the the difference for you. Um, but it was a lot more work for sure. Um, and yeah, I've just been exhausted. Really, yeah, is all I have to say here. And four phones and <laughs> four phones was just too much. It was just too much with radically different. You know, not just like oh, four different colors. I mean, you know, and I I know we've we've got you know. I, I'll do a phone show next episode of this show, you know, but I had to talk about the Macs first and I had to have you on because you, you know, you're like my, you know, that's why they put us on CNBC together. We're, we're, yeah. we're partners in this. Uh, Part, laptop partners. By yeah. the way, I meant to say $300 difference, price difference. I'm very tired. Um, <laughs> I'm so tired. I'm so I sick of tired. I am so excited about next week. I'm like, so like to not have, I mean, it's hard to complain because these have been so fun. It to is do. fun. It is super fun. But it is so much work. And it back to back to back. And it yeah. was like, and everybody knew, you know, the Apple announced at WWDC that they're doing this big transition later this year, which is yeah. Apple speak for the end of the year. But they've had Mac events in the last few years in December. And, you know, like the Mac Pro, which everybody had been waiting for for so long, came at the very end of the year. And I think the iMac Pro the year before or two years before, whenever that was, was in December. So the idea that maybe we wouldn't hear about these things until after Thanksgiving was definitely mm-hmm. possible, you know. Um, but if it was going to be before Thanksgiving, it had to be at the beginning of November because they, they couldn't have had the event two, yeah, two days week. ago because then the reviews would all be coming out Thanksgiving week and that doesn't work, you know. That's that, right. It, um, and so it was like, oh, exciting. They're going to have the Mac event on November, you know, fifth or whatever the date was, uh, and it's like, well, wait a minute! I just got done writing <laughs> about all these iPhones. I'm not really, I'm not even done. I still have, I've got reader comments to go through and uh, follow up on. There are questions I haven't even had a chance, and now I've got to do this thing. It's terribly exciting, but it's been an avalanche of of stuff to review. Yeah, and I mean, it's. I think it's everything was such a leap. I mean, the the, the Luckily, the watch was not such a leap this yes. year. Oh. Um, you know, I would have <laughs> to say, like, thank you, thank you, um, Apple. Honestly, right? Like, blood, um, blood, uh, blood, oxygen level. Okay, yeah. there you go. Yeah, 
Screen <laughs> right, right. Actually, I just wrote our, we're writing our holiday gift guide, and I was like, the best thing about the watches here is the solo loop band, the end. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I wrote most about, too. And I, not to, not to, I don't think that's because they ignored it. I think the watch is in such a good place and that, you know, don't mess with success. We added another mm-hmm. sensor and we've got a loop, and uh, that's yeah, great. And it's like, oh, thank God. I, I can move on to these other products. <laughs> but the the phones were so significant, though I have to say I thought there would be much bigger interest in some of the phones, um, at least, you know, just from readers. It's always very interesting to me to see which products readers really gravitate towards. Um, you know, the 5G upgrade was was news. It was big news. They focused a lot on it. That was like a lot of testing work. Um, they had a different size. I mean, it was such a significant iPhone upgrade. Yeah. And then they also had the HomePod in there, which was, you know, that's was big too. A $99 yeah. HomePod, a $99 anything from Apple's pretty big deal. Yeah. Um, and then these laptops, which are just like really spectacular. It's just like, it was exhausting. So I, great. I still haven't written about it. And like the, my, my, here, I'll spoil it. My bum thumbs down review of the season is for the the uh, MagSafe Duo charger. Oh that, yeah, same. I haven't written. I haven't even taken it out of the box. Oh, it's but it it, it works it fine, I guess. But it's one hundred and thirty dollars, and it doesn't come with the wall adapter. So it and, and get it, me started on and, the chargers. And it wants the twenty watt adapter. Um, because it charges both things at once, but even with it, it does still doesn't charge the the iPhone at the full fifteen watts that the standalone MagSafe cable does. So you're still not getting. And again, if it's I don't know what it is. I saw a thing on Mac rumors about it. And and if you're charging overnight, who cares if it's at the full fifteen watts? If it's close, you know. And and if you're really into I need to charge fast, you you shouldn't be using the wireless at the all. Wireless at all. Um, but still, it's one hundred and thirty dollars and needs a twenty dollar adapter. It's one hundred and fifty bucks, and why not just use the it, it, the watch I, the watch thing that came with your watch and the forty dollar MagSafe thing, and that's it, and you're done. I can't believe it's one hundred and thirty dollars. Even the forty dollar MagSafe thing to me seems like a ripoff, frankly. It feels like it should be cheaper because it feels it like it's cheaper. just a cable. And I know it's not just a cable. And the cable, cable is short, I have to say. I made a point of this in my iPhone 12 yeah, review. Yeah, it is. The cable is very short and is really not usable to put next to the side of your bed unless the, your nightstand is super short. Yeah, because it's like and one meter. And if you meter. have a short nightstand, that's great for you. But I don't have a short nightstand. No. It's it, not a tiny nightstand, okay? I have a gigantic <laughs> nightstand. It's beautiful. No, it's and like I, to use my phone while I'm in bed, I have to like stick uh, my hand out over the side. Right. Right. I'm like huddled on the side of my giant nightstand, apparently. Um, Oh, and then the other thing, have you done this where it's like you, if you try to, if you pull it a little bit further to get a little bit closer to you, it won't yank out of the wall. Of course, what happens is the magnetic connector separates, right? mm -hmm. I mean, because what's the, you know, it is mag safe, you know, so you, you pull the phone a little bit closer and of course, it's this big, heavy, I mean, by the standards of you're in bed, it's this big, heavy disc, and it falls and makes noise and wakes up your partner in bed, and it's like, uh, sorry. Right. But what you've also just described is like, it actually should just plug into the wall. Like, uh, it just is a normal yeah, plug yeah. into the wall, because that's what you, how you're using it. You're right. using it as if it's plugged in. Yeah. But anyway, connected. 
140 for that plus a charger. The the HomePod Mini is 99 bucks and comes with the 20 watt charger. Can you believe it? It comes with the charger right in the box for $99. <laughs> but people it, should just be buying HomePod Minis for the chargers. It it is <laughs> I did not realize that, by the it, way, until you just told me that. To me they the it they perfectly uh it's like the two counter counter ends of the Apple value chain for this year's products is on the one end, you've got Mm -hmm. this really nice little speaker um, that to me sounds great. Uh, You know, I've, I've seen people who've reviewed more of all of the various products in the space who have slightly different rankings of which ones sound best, but at the very, nobody says it sounds bad. It sounds pretty good. The bass isn't shockingly good. You know, if there's anything it's short of, it's bass. But it sounds good. 99 bucks, And it comes with a 20-watt charger. On the other hand, the duo charger thing for charging your watch and your phone at the same time is $130 and doesn't come with a charger. And all it does is charge two things that, ah, it just yeah. feels so much more expensive than it should be. It's, and I don't want to go back to the Macs, but the Macs do ship with a charger. But those are gigantic chargers for uh, what they do. Yeah. So I they, did this. I they, did a piece a couple of months when the charger thing happened, when Apple stopped shipping the chargers. And this is, I mean, I don't know who is in charge of Apple's charging ecosystem, but my, <laughs> my assumption is, is that actually they, the teams don't talk, right? And right. so the team that does the chargers for the Macs are doing the chargers for the Macs. And then the team that's doing the charger for the watch and the, and the phone – Maybe they talk because they made the, they worked on your your really your the wonderful product, the one hundred and thirty dollars MagSafe Duo project. They must have worked on that together. But these things don't work together. And what needs to be made is a central Apple charger, a corded charger that can power all of these things, and is a smaller charger, a GAN charger, which is this you know the new. Yeah the new hype around chargers. And it has a couple of USB-C spots in it. So that's that, right. Right. That's right. So that's what I'm using. I'm using an Anchor, or no, an Augie, uh 100-watt charger that's the size of um, something in between one of the Mac chargers and the 20-watt the Apple Watt charger. Mm. I got I to gotta get that. I'll send you this link. I'll, yeah. I recommended this. Um, but, I, you know, look, am I applying to be the head of Apple chargers? Maybe. Yeah. Um, but like, it's time to do some work here. There, there is, you know, if we're going to wrap up on something, chargers is it. Cause you did a deep dive on it, um, right before these things came out, which is welcome, right? Like, and I know you and I, in a past appearance on this show, we, I got you, I got you, uh, revved up on cables. Remember I, I sent you over mm-hmm. to monospace and, mm-hmm. um, and I feel like we've got the cable situation more under control these days. Um, now that it's, you know, everything is USB-C or the phone is lightning and that's, um, not to derail this on whether the phone should also be USB-C, but at least we've got it down to two things. We know that the high speed Mm -hmm. chargers all take USB-C out. Um, the thing that we need is I need, we need chargers that are smaller. Why is Apple's 20 watt charger so big compared to the Aki and Anchor ones? It's ridiculous. The Aki and Anchor ones are almost and by pra- I think practically speaking, you can say they're the same size as the classic Apple five watt dice charger, right? And also, what's still happening is that this is this is what's baffling to me. They're still selling the Apple five watt charger for the same price as the twenty watt charger. 
<laughs> which is nuts. It's still $19. Right. They should give them away. Remember when they first took out the headphone port and then they, you could like go in the Apple store and they, it was like, it was like $5. It was the literally famously the cheapest thing Apple has ever sold in its retail stores were those headphone to lightning adapters. Um, it, it was as close as they're ever going to come to giving something away. That's what they should do with those five. But the chargers. margins, like I just picture whenever they sell one of these five watt chargers, a man or woman in Cupertino just cheering every time they sell one. They're like the margins, the margins. Like they're just. <laughs> there's some little old accountant looking guy who's got like one of those green eye shades on. And it's like his whole job is just making money on these incredibly, right. you know. And they've probably got like 50 zillion of them that they already made, you know, and they're just sitting there and they just keep shipping them off and they're the smallest thing ever. The only And that's thing- the thing. No one, no consumers have really ever understood. I mean, uh, people that are into phones and understand, under get that like this five watt charger has been horrible. And I, you know, I definitely drum, drum, dramatized the killing of this thing and the video that I did, but I've had such hate for this thing for many years because people just assume this is like the way they should charge their phone with this right. tiny little charger that is, oh, like that is now that could be that same size could, could charge your phone five times as fast if yeah. it was, had the right technology in it. And I, I, for years, I, I was less critical of it still being included by default than most people, uh, you know, like you, most of the, uh, fellow tech press, because I know I heard from people who said that, you know, I mm-hmm. wanted they love one, the size. but my wife loves the size and, mm-hmm. you know, and people who say, or, or even people who know the tech, they're like, I, I have to charge at, the, you know, whatever they go. There's, there's just one little spot in the wall and that's it. And a big charger won't fit. And this is perfect. Um, that's but that argument is over now because these twenty watt chargers from Anchor and Aki, just to name two brands, I've bought both of them and love them both, and they're both yeah. also twenty bucks. So you, it, it is another one of these things, like like I said about these MacBooks, where it's like uh, have your cake and eat it too. It's the same price or cheaper. They're like sixteen to seventeen dollars. Uh, they are the same size as the classic five watt charger. And they charge it 20 watts. And that's what you want, you know, that gives you the full speed charging to your phone. It charges MagSafe at the full speed. Um, it, mm-hmm. what you, there's no loss. You, you pay a, even a dollar or two less than what Apple charges. You get a way smaller charger than the Apple 20 watt charger and you get the full speed. It's, it, but no brainer. But it makes me wonder. I've been, you know, I wrote about it. They're not using those little twenty watt ones. Aren't using GAN, G A N. No, right. They're they're no. doing something else. But why isn't Apple doing it? And it, you know, I don't know. Maybe somebody could take it apart and figure that the Apple one is over engineered for safety or something. But like I've been using the Anchor and Aki ones extensively for a couple of weeks ever since you wrote about it. Um, and neither one of them gets warm or anything mm-hmm. like that. Uh, I if you do notice what happened. Is Apple changed so the current twenty watt charger used to be eighteen watts. Yes, right. And so they upped it to twenty watts. So it's not like they didn't do anything to that charger this year. I right. just think they really want to push the MagSafe. Yeah, and, but, and there's there's something with that though. Like you said, that their charging teams aren't communicating. Like, yeah, they're definitely not communicating. Well, some in uh, the. The 20 watt and 18 watt from last year, the, this year's 20 watt Apple charger and last year's 18 watt, 
you have to have good eyes to see the difference. The new one does mm-hmm. say 20 watt. The 18 watt doesn't even say 18 watt. It has like a a blank spot on the underside where the new one now says 20 watt. The only way you could really tell that it's 18 watt is to read the tiny little fine print that is A, tiny, and B, like 3% gray text on a white background. And it says like 2 amps times 9 volts, and you have to know that you multiply volts times uh, right. amps to get Amperage, watts. yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I mean, the main the, – the big question for anyone working in Apple's charging unit, which I'm not sure is even a real thing, is – why not I, one charger to charge all the Apple gadgets? Well, or at least all of them up to MacBook Pros, right? Because the so like the MacBook yes, Air comes fine. with a 30 watt charger and 30 watt is you know like 30 watt to me is the the dividing line between consumer technology and the chargers that are over 30 watt. I forget what the new MacBook Pro comes with. I think it's a 45 watt charger. Maybe it's 60. I don't know. It's funny. I never. I all I did was open the box to see the size of them, and then I laughed at them. And then I used my new anchor, uh, no, my Aug Key, a hundred yeah. watt charger, which is like one of the best gadgets I bought of the year. But that's the other thing is that why why doesn't Apple make a bigger one that has a couple of USB spots in the back? Because I I bought my wife. My wife got the new iPhone 12 Pro Max, the big one. Uh, really? Yeah, she likes the the. Wow. She, she's, She's hooked on these big phones now. Well, she feels like, well, if it's going to, she thinks they're all too big and she didn't want, I was like, well, now they have them. And she's like, I, I was already boring her. She was like, just get me the one I'm used to. I was like, all right. But Mm. I I got her the MagSafe charger too. And I was like, ha, this will surprise her because this is so much more convenient overnight than plugging in lightning. And then I went to her side of the bed and she doesn't have any spots open anymore. So what I need is I need a, Mm -hmm. I need a, I need a plug with two USB things because she also wants to charge her ipad and yeah apple doesn't the key ones are good yeah. the new gan chargers they're like six, 60 watts for like i don't know 30 bucks crazy yeah, it's crazy they're so much better it's it's really uh, but i and i do worry and I, f- I feel like you might have a better sense of this is how many people just feel like oh you're supposed to use the one that comes in the box and that 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 there's something right or magical about it um, and for the most part, I don't think you can ever like break a product by plugging it into the wrong outlet. It's just that, like, for example, I tried this with the new HomePod Mini, which ships with the 20 watt charger, right? A $99 speaker that ships with a charger that the costs $20, $20 speaker. charger. $20. But I plugged it into the 18 watt charger from last year and it doesn't work. It turns on, but it just glows, it pulses orange on top because it actually needs 20 watts. And that's, that's where I'm interesting. That's where I'm thinking. I actually talked to Apple about it, and they're like, "Yeah, that's you know, we knew that, and that's why it, you know it recognizes it with it." Yeah. Um, but that just to me says that they weren't all on the same page a year ago. Like somebody mm-hmm. a year ago should have known that they were going to come out with these products that needed 20 watts, and therefore not come out with 18 watts. Because now, even if you have an 18 watt, because you bought an iPad last year and it came with it. It doesn't charge the HomePod, you know, and now you've got uh, it's you've, or an iP- or an iPhone Pro, an iPhone Pro. Uh, last year's iPhone Pro shipped with the 18 watt, right, right, and it does it won't charge the MagSafe at full. It will work mm-hmm. with MagSafe, but it won't charge it at full speed. But it won't charge a HomePod, even though it looks exactly like the charger for the HomePod and the whole thing. Yeah, 
you know. And, and I think the move to not put the charger in the box was a fine one. I was actually fine with that, but I do think they should have done that. They should have last year or two years ago, gone from the five watt to the 18 watt USB-C. Because the real issue is that, and this is what I heard from a lot of my readers, is I don't even have a USB-C right. charger. Right, right. right. So they had bought phones years ago. They have a USB-A. They've got tons of the, the little bricks, right? But they now ha- got a phone with a cord that is USB-C, and they didn't have anything to plug that into. Yeah. I, and I, so that's where the, you know, that's where Anchor and Augie sold a bunch of these. Yeah. And I have to say, I was just looking for a USB-C to, you know, USB-C on both sides cable of the right length. And I, you know, I don't, I guess I overspent on cables <laughs> over the last few years, but like I bought, I have an awful lot of cables with the old rectangular USB-A on the one end that I don't really need anymore. Whether they go to mm-hmm. USB-C or go to lightning, it doesn't really matter. I, I want USB-C on on the charging side end. Same, same. Yeah. And I mean, what's more frustrating is some of these accessory makers just not having gone from micro USB to USB-C, but that's a whole other story. Yeah. So anyway, I do think you're right that for, for a, a number of years, Apple should have been shipped before they stopped including chargers in the box. They should have been using, including chargers with a USB slot in it. And it's crazy because even if you bought the the iPhone 11 last year, it came with the five watt charger, which a is you know wimpy wattage wise, but still had the old uh, mm-hmm. the old port port, which means yeah. you couldn't plug in a new cable to it anyway. anyway. All this is true, yeah. And I think the the big question becomes like, is this transition to MagSafe just a step towards you know the full wireless future, which has been rumored? Um, I, it's just not a good foot to get off on. Like just, just this MagSafe stuff is, I I love the idea in theory and I love the MagSafe wallet. I have to say that's like best, one of the best accessories Apple's ever made. Um, but. See, I'm glad you mentioned that because I feel like I've, the people I've spoken to about it, it's not for me. I don't really have a need for it, but I think it's very clever and I can see why people would like it, but yet most of what I've heard from people is, ah, it doesn't stick firmly enough. It would it, come off in my pocket. And it's like, I don't think that's the use case. Is so sliding. it did. I, I maybe have perpetuated that because in my review, I showed it sliding off. <laughs> but um, then I, it, that was on the 12. And now I've been using the mini. And it actually is, it doesn't fall off as much on the mini, maybe because it covers the entire surface area of the back. All right. Um, it's like the perfect size for the mini. Like that was one exactly of, the same size as the mini. Oh, we right. were in that briefing together. No, I, I don't think I was. Oh, maybe I was. Yeah, maybe I was in there with you. Yeah. But I yeah. found it out on my own at some point and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. It's like the exact radius of the the leather wallet is the exact corner radius of the mini and it's a perfect fit. And it doesn't fall off as much on the mini as well. Yeah. Say what That's, I'll say. See, now there's a team that was clearly working together. The wallet mm-hmm. team, the wallet team, the wallet cl- team clearly had access to the full iPhone 12 industrial design mm-hmm. and came up with a clever wallet. Yeah. I feel like the, the hole in this whole, the, the idea of, and I've been, this is what I've been saying is, I don't think the iPhones are ever going to have USB-C ports. I feel like they're going to have lightning ports until they have no ports. That the next step is no ports, not USB-C. I believe that. And and 
you know, it's, I know there's people already rumoring that the, you know, next year or the two years, at some point, there's already phones in the pipeline that don't have ports. I believe it from a technical standpoint, but I don't believe it from a pricing standpoint, right? If, if the cheapest thing to charge it with is a $40 cable with a puck on the end that doesn't come with the power adapter, that's a hell of an expensive way. I mean, I guess they would just include that with the phones, but that's mm-hmm. 40 bucks, right? I mean, if it's... Well, it'll come down in price. And I don't know. I, the whole thing would be so much more compelling if the, the MagSafe charging puck was 19 bucks. Because then it would be, man, that's a no-brainer. Buy two of them, put them everywhere you use, you know, you need to charge your phone. It's just 40 bucks feels like too much for what's effectively just a cable. It just happens to use a clever magnetic mm-hmm. connection thing. And the cleverness is awesome. And it's way easier to connect and disconnect. And you can pull on it and it just falls, you know, off and it won't break in the in the port. And you don't have to worry about getting dust in there and cleaning it out with a toothpick anymore or whatever else could happen. That's all great, but you shouldn't have to pay 40 bucks just for a cable. I mean, that's a lot of money. It's I. It's really interesting that you think about it as just a cable because it really is what it is. Right. And, you know, and, you kind of pull away the like, it is a wireless charger, but it's not the pad. And it's really just this, this inductive or. Yeah, it's just cable, a cable. But, but even to that point, I don't know. I mean, you've got the fact, the fact that it charges slower, the fact that, I mean, I guess right. my biggest two issues is like it charges slower and the cable is too short. Right. If they fix those two things, I'd be cool with it. Yeah, and that is the thing. And I run into it. I mean, for me, <laughs> this year at least, I never run into the, oh, my God, I need to quick get a charge because we're leaving and my right. phone's almost dead because I'm not leaving anywhere. But I have run into the, oh, I'm reviewing the Pro Max and the Mini. And, oh, my God, the Pro Max is finally almost out of battery life, but I need I need to keep using it. Let me quick get a charge. It it is surprising when you do plug it into a hot, you know, like a twenty watt charger with a cable. It's like, wow, that really does get back to like fifty percent very fast. And Thirty it, minutes. Yeah, it's really impressive. And that is the other, you know, in addition to the cost of the MagSafe cables, there is that. It, it's hard to go back on that, right? Like that at the very least. Oh my gosh, if you find out your phone is down to ten percent and you're leaving for work or something or going out to dinner, when we can go back out to dinner again you'd quick need to charge it. MagSafe doesn't cut it. Yeah. And I did a lot of speed uh, testing on the chargers um, even before the MagSafe. But when MagSafe came, I did the charge tests and it was slower than what Apple was saying it would charge at. I mean, they were saying 15 Watts delivery doesn't necessarily mean it's charging at 15 Watts. Right. And, you know, it took upwards like close to an hour to get to 50% on some of the iPhones. I mean, you know, it's like, I, it is, I, I agree with you. It depends on the case. Like, I don't really care if I'm charging overnight, right? Right. Um, right. But it, and what I do care is that, like, it's MagSafe is certainly better than the wireless charger I have next to my bed, which forgot, like, I didn't line up right last night and didn't charge. <laughs> so true. <laughs> you know, that actually happened to me last night. I woke up this morning. I was like, why is my phone dead? Oh, it's, um, I'll never go back to that. Really, yeah, I gotta, I gotta change those all out. Uh, anyway, well, it's we're two hours on the button. I I don't think we've oh, hit man. bedtime. Mm. <laughs> it's true we haven't hit bedtime. It is but. Friday though, so maybe I will just maybe I will take a nap. Always <laughs> a pleasure to have you back on this on the show, Joanna. What an exciting time! 
What an exciting time. And I'm sorry again, John, I, I, I did not mean to take the word craptacular statistic from you. Um, and I did not mean to say you didn't look great on air. You you looked wonderful on air. And actually, in fact, a lot of people on Twitter were commenting on and how good your hair looks. So I, yeah. I thought the same thing. I really, oh. I think uh, quarantine has been kind to your hair. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it Thank you very much. It's very kind. And I will say, I will add just the one to go back to why do I agree to go on CNBC? It does make me take a shower. <laughs> well, and yes. I feel like it's like, yeah, this is a good start. I feel like here's a fresh start to a weekday. <laughs> I mean, I have to say I stopped wearing, I wear pants, but I stopped like when I first started doing these during court, I was like, okay, I'm going to put on my whole outfit and put on jeans or put on nice black pants. And now I'm just like sweatpants and a nice shirt on top. So clean shirt in a shower. I will. I will Uh, try. All right. Well, I really, I I always love having you on this show. I can't wait to see you again. I don't know. Hopefully soon. But uh, hopefully on CNBC and we won't be starting uh, Cameragate again. Well, you know what? That's my next step. Now that I've this is my next. This will probably be the last time. Well, who knows when I'm next beyond. But my next project for me now that I've caught up is trying to figure out a truly a real camera camera home webcam thing. So I don't know what I'll do, but it probably won't be on a MacBook camera again. Well, use the I use Camo as yeah, we begin this it, conversation. Camo has been great, and yeah. or you can hook up a good camera. I yeah. loved also. There's a lot of commentary on Twitter that like you really care about cameras, and so you really worked on your lighting setup. <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, what? Like, oh. yeah, John has like thousands of dollars in lighting gear in his house. Like, no, no he doesn't. I, like, <laughs> I don't have anything. I have a window. <laughs> Yeah, and I had a window too. I'm like, I just like the I loved the assumptions that you like know how to work cameras better than uh, me, and that you know a lot more about camera webcams. And I was like, okay, all right, yeah. yeah. But I'm happy. I thank you for having me on to defend and to apologize. <laughs> it's been craptacular. It has been. Oh, all I'll right. Go get some Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's probably what I need to stay up now that it's it's bedtime at four thirty. <laughs> All right. Um, all right. Well, thanks for having me. Let me get this. Uh, all right. I'm. St- I am stopping as well.